very familiar scripture moving into our spring uh, session our, in our curriculum and uh, really enjoyed last sessions in the winter and God challenging us. Isn't that always a good thing when God challenges you to become greater and deeper in Him? And we're going to talk about something uh, that usually we talk about in the winter, uh, but it's important to always know and always hear. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. As you'll see, that is the birth of Jesus. The focus thought for today is that God manifested Himself in flesh to be with us. Isn't that beautiful to think that God did something just for us? Because He loves us that much, He came down off the throne in heaven, wrapped Himself in flesh, and dwelt among His people. Verse number 18 here, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise, when as His mother Mary was espoused to Joseph... Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost." And she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done and it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying this. Behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which being interpreted to us is God with us. That's what we want to talk about today is God with us. The birth of Jesus has been taught from the pulpit several occasions. And like I said before, a lot of times we hear about it around Christmas time, the month of December, uh, just something we always we hear. And it, it's really important for us to dig in and understand the importance of God being with us and dwelling with his people. The first thing we must understand and accept is that the Holy Ghost caused Mary to conceive. It is through the Holy Ghost. In, in my research and kind of diving into different commentaries, uh, one of the things that they try to uh, kind of debate back and forth, because that's what we do as people, is we debate back and forth what something means, is that uh, the word that they use for virgin in Isaiah uh, could mean a young lady versus just a virgin. Um, but for that to take place, uh, the Bible lets us know, and also in Isaiah, that the people would know by the birth that it was God. And a natural conception would not be anything out of the ordinary. Right? It, it, it doesn't surprise us when a young couple would have a child. It makes sense. But when there's a young child that's born and it's through the Holy Ghost and it's not happened naturally, that makes us take a step back and think, you know what? There's something special about this. There's something special about this process. We know that we uh, have to understand that, that Jesus from the beginning of time, was meant to come dwell with His people. John chapter 1, verse 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. From the beginning, the Word and God were synonymous. Okay? If you skip down to John chapter 1, verses 14, very familiar scripture, it says, In the Word, which is who? God was made flesh and did what? dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and 
truth. When we beheld Jesus and he walked on this earth, it was God manifest in the flesh. And we have to have that understanding, amen, for salvation that God is Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit and the Holy Ghost. Amen. There is not three separate deities. There is one, and his name is Jesus. Amen. And that makes the story of Jesus and the birth of Jesus so much more meaningful to me. Because it just wasn't a king that sits on the throne that says, you know what, you go down, you take care of my work. But he says, I'm going to be the one that goes down and personally takes care of the issue. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 was the prophecy that we hear about here in Matthew. It says, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. That sign is the, uh, is the conception that could only come from the Holy Ghost. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and called his name Emmanuel. Roughly 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ took place, we hear that this is going to take place. That God is going to be with us. It's wonderful to think about everything being put into motion. This had to take place because in Genesis chapter 3, we know that Adam and Eve messed up. Anybody here messed up before? Both hands, both feet up in the air. Come on, we're all guilty of it, right? Come on, probably before you go to bed tonight, or maybe especially tomorrow before you get home from work, you're probably going to have done something and you messed up in some way. It happens, right? Just like we are very curious in everything we do, Adam and Eve became very curious when the enemy began to plant doubt in their minds. And from that moment in the garden, when they had everything they ever needed, everything they ever wanted, but yet they still fell into sin. From that moment, there had been a sin problem and a sin issue that has to be dealt with. We're all born into sin. It's because we are humans. All humans are born into sin. That's another reason that we know that Jesus was not fathered by a man, but by the Holy Ghost because he was born perfect. He was born through the Holy Ghost. So we know that's another reason that it had to be through the Holy Ghost and not through Joseph. Even though Joseph was uh, in the lineage of David, he was still born into sin and he would make a child that was born into sin. Okay? So Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, the Lord begins to deal with everybody that was at the scene. So we know that Eve, uh, we'll blame Eve and Adam both. Uh, they, they both should have known better. And they partook of the tree of knowledge that they should have not have taken from. And they find themselves on the outside of their perfect garden looking in. And the Lord comes down to them, and one of the things he speaks to the, to the enemy is this. He says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Adam and Eve figured out as humans that we still fall into temptation and into sin. If it's there, we're going to find it. Right? Just like our children. We get rough on our children and we're just as bad as our children. Because we tell our children what? Don't touch the stove. Don't get that out. Our rule right now is you have each your own bedroom. Don't bring toys out into the living room. Toys should not be anywhere but your bedroom. But guess what always happens? Every night, multiple times, our living room turns into a play place. And then we start tripping over stuff. Right? And we look at our children and say, why can't you understand this? 
Why can't you get this through your head that you don't do this? We tell you every day, do not bring a toy out. Do not do that. How many times do you think God asks the same question through a week to us? Let's be real. How many times does the preacher have to tell you over and over again not to touch it, not to look at it, not to say it, not to participate in it? You amen me when I was talking about kids. You better amen me when I'm getting a little close to this. Come on, it's reality, right? We are just as bad as our kids, probably even worse when it comes to the sin problem because we know don't do it, and we do it. We were at the principal's conference in November, and one of the things they talked about is anytime you say don't do something, automatically it makes something in your brain say, I got to know why. It's, it's honest. It's research. So anytime you have a negative rule and it's said in a negative way, it automatically causes that little brain to say, hmm, I think I could probably do it. What would really happen if I do do it? Right? And they say, you've got to make sure everything you do in schools, every time you talk to a kid, every time you send out a rule or procedures, it's got to be done positively. Tell them what they need to do, not what they don't need to do. Right? That's what the Bible is. The Bible is telling us this is what you need to do. And the one thing the Lord says don't do, what did they do? They did it. You get everything in this garden. It's beautiful. And from that moment forwards, there was a sin problem and that put into motion God needing to come dwell among his people because who on earth can take care of a sin problem? Right? We see glimpses of trying to take care of sin's problems with sacrifices. It alleviated sin for just a season through the blood sacrifice of an animal. But it never really dealt with the inner side because sin's a heart issue. Right? So, so the blood sacrifice would atone sins for a moment and for a season, but it never really dealt with the heart. It never really went in and says, you know what, you need to change. You need to adjust what you think. And that's why we saw Israel going in and out of the favor of God because they were humans and, and the inner side the heart was never dealt with. We move on to scripture to hear about the tabernacle being introduced in the wilderness. And if everything's set up correctly, from the outer courts to the holies of holies, and the high priest did everything they were supposed to do, then at one point, the Lord would come down. Remember we studied about this a few weeks ago. The Lord would come down the holies of holies, sit upon the mercy seat, take up the sacrifice, and it would be there that the high priest could have a conversation, Right? With God and it would communicate. But still, it did not involve everybody. The Bible lets us know that when that took place, that they would stand at attention outside of their tabernacle, outside of their own homes, and they would kind of watch it take place. But again, for the high priest, there was a relationship, but for the average person, the relationship wasn't there. So still, that sin problem couldn't be dealt with, it was still there. I read this story. As I was studying out, it says years ago a submarine was ran by another ship and quickly it sank to the bottom of the ocean. The entire crew was trapped inside the submarine and many boats rushed to the disaster. But no one really understood what the submarine crew went through in those hours underneath the water. Anybody ever feel that way before? Something happens and sinks you. And no one around really understands. There's some people that come around to help and some people that come around to offer guidance and they may send a text or a phone call or they may pray with you at the altar. But do they really know 
Come on, I don't know about you, but I feel sometimes you come into church and be like, man, nobody has a clue. Do they really know what I'm facing right now? Do they really know what's going on between these two ears and this mind? Thank God we don't. Right? Some of us. Men bravely clung to all the oxygen they could get until slowly it gave out. One diver who came to the rescue swam down and put his ear to the side of the submarine and listened. The diver had heard tapping noises. Someone was banging out a message in Morse code. The message was this. Is there any hope? We haven't heard any movement. There's been no change in my situation. Right now it feels like this is going to be my last breath and my last moment. Come on, we come to church and we feel that way sometimes. I'm sure before uh, Jesus came on the scene, there were people that felt that way. But thanks be to God that in the middle of feeling like I'm taking my last breath, that there's no more hope, that Jesus steps on the scene as Emmanuel being God with us. Well, as a teacher, your purpose is to, to reach out and to compel somebody. Okay, there's a couple of different things that need to take place. You need to convince them that what I'm teaching you is true. And do it in a way that you want to experience it for yourself. If a child or student challenges your theories, and as long as you taught them the right way, then they're going to get the answer they need to get. And they're going to confirm that you taught it the right way. That's what I want to do this morning. I want to convince you enough to lean on to God when you're going through some situations and realize whatever you're going through right now, God is with you. Come on, when it feels like you can't breathe, when it feels like you're trapped and you don't have anywhere to go, I need to convince you today to call on Jesus. I need to convince you today that God is going to be there for you. He's not going to leave you or he's not going to forsake you. This plan was put into motion. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21, and, he, and she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Things are getting ready to shift. Because we said sin is a heart issue, right? It deals with the heart. And so listen, he's not only coming to save them from the sin that they've done in their past, but he's coming to save them from future sins because it's going to be Jesus, the perfect sacrifice that can start dealing with the heart. And saying, you know what, I'm going to go down to, to the very depths of it. Because listen, if you don't take care of things, when you first see a problem, it's going to grow and it's going to fester. I tell people all the time at work, listen, if there's an issue, come to me. I want to deal with it right away. I want to deal with it when it's still surface. Because once it gets down and once it starts affecting other people, then all of a sudden it becomes a bigger issue and it takes more to cure it. Listen, right now, the things you're facing, the things you're going through, can be easily fixed with Jesus. And you need to allow him to take care of those things when they're still up here on the surface before it goes in and affects everything else. Jesus' purpose was to come and to save. Finally, somebody who can come deal with the sin problem in the world. Somebody who looks on you and says, I forgive you, and it means something. Someone that came to the world to challenge us. And to say, hey, there's a greater life for you. You don't really have to live this way. You can be different. In a world that's telling you to be different, be different in a good way. Right? Be, be different in a positive way. 
Because that's what holiness is, right? I'm separating myself. I'm being what God's called me to be. I'm being who he sent me to be. That's why we come together, right? Because we want to challenge ourselves to be who God has called us to be. And listen, because he came down to this world and this earth, it doesn't matter what our background was. It doesn't matter how many failures we've had. It doesn't matter what our, what our last name is or what we were born into. When he came to save us, he says, listen, I don't care what you've done in your past. We're going to deal with it through salvation. And then I need you to go out. I need you to take care of business. Because listen, there are people that need to know there's a difference. There are people that need to know that, that Jesus still loves them. That Jesus still cares for them. That they're not alone in this battle. They need to hear these things. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, For we have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Sorry, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. When we think of somebody that's higher than us, a lot of times we're like, man, they have no idea. They don't know what we're really going through. They, they don't know what it's really like. They don't know what our problems are, right? So if Jesus would have stayed upon his throne and sent somebody else in his place, then we would be sitting here in 2020 being like, he doesn't really know, right? He didn't do it for himself. Somebody else was in his place, and somebody else just came up and told him. But that's not what took place. Jesus says, listen, i got to be around them. i got to be in them. Because if we're going to deal with situations, I've got to feel it for myself. I've got to bring it on myself. And the beautiful thing about all this is he said, listen, I went into all of it. I walked in it. I was tempted of it. But guess what can still happen? You can still live this life without sin. Now, just in case you mess up, I'm going to give you a way out. But you know what? Once God begins to deal with that heart and begins to deal with the sin and gets it under control, he's saying, now I need to show you that you can live a life and not always have to have forgiveness every day. Right? You don't always have to beg for it because, listen, you're living like you're supposed to live. That's your next step. And that's what God has for us. We understand that when we go through trials, we go through tribulations, that God feels what we felt. Jesus walked the earth for 33 years, ministered to us for three of those years, and turned this world upside down. He made a lot of friends, and he made probably even more enemies. Better feel that way. Oh, boy. Remember, there's still something that needs to be permanently dealt with. From the beginning of time, he says, I'm going to need to put enmity. There's hostility between your seed and her seed. And we're not only going to stop there, but listen, when I take care of it, it's going to bruise my heel and bruise your head. And once and for all, the very thing that you brought into this world, we're going to take care of and kick out of it. Understand? That's why Jesus knew he had to go to the cross. Jesus understood he was 100% man and 100% God. And it would be this moment that sin could finally be dealt with. And not only sin itself, but the effects of sin. Finally, somebody to be encouraged today that yes, you may have messed up, but the effects of sin can be dealt with. 
the after effects. Because a lot of the things that we brought on ourselves as humans was because of our sin. The junk that we deal with is because of our sin and our disobedience. But we know Jesus died on the cross. He went down to hell. He got back control, right, of death, hell, and the grave. The effects of sin. And it says, you don't, you don't own these anymore. I own these things. And he rose again, and he dwelt with his people. Can you imagine, like, the feeling of being with Jesus every day and all of a sudden seeing him die on the cross? And for three days, you're kind of lost. That was my identity. It, he was the one that directed us. He was the one that guided us. He was our comfort. He was our strength. Everything revolved around him. I left everything to follow this guy. And now all of a sudden he's gone. Where am I going to go? Can we feel that way when we have that first encounter with God and then we start walking around, walking away from God a little bit? We're, we're kind of that animal that just come out of the womb, not really sure how to stand on my own yet. I've always been taken care of by something. Something has always been there for me. Food just came, right? It was just there. And now all of a sudden I got to do this on my own. Ooh, that's tough. And Jesus comes back. Jesus raised from the dead, walks with him for a little while, and then gives him the bad news, hey, I'm getting ready to leave again. What? I thought this was over with. I thought you were going to live forever with us. I thought every time we need you, you're always going to be there. You're God with us. That's what, you're, that's what the whole prophecy was, that God was going to be with us. Where is it at now? What am I going to do? The questions, I can only imagine. Where are we going to go now? It's like poor Bishop, Sister Laura, has been down. I heard he doing laundry. The other day I called him on the phone, he was doing laundry. I heard he put it up. He did a good job. He hung it up. Sister Laura will fix it when she can. They relied on it so much. John chapter 14, verses 17 through 18 and 26 even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you. Right now he's dwelling with you, and he shall be in you. Listen, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He's explaining, listen, this is what's going to happen. Right now you just see me and I'm, I'm there beside you. But I'm about ready to do something that I'm going to come in you. This is going to be important. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. The teachings, the things I've established. There's going to be a time when it comes inside of you, and that's what's going to get you through the situations. You don't have to be right beside me every step of the way any longer. And this is going to be a game changer. So the Old Testament, we dealt with sin through blood sacrifice. They had an experience with God once a year, the Day of Atonement, when they built the tabernacle and they made everything set up and the presence of God fell down. And they watched it from afar. And all of a sudden, we get to the New Testament. Jesus is born, he walks among them. Notice it gets a little bit more personal each time. It's getting closer and closer to his people. Each time, 
So now all of a sudden, God is, isn't with us at the church, in the tabernacle, or in one person. But when the day of Pentecost has fully come, and they're all with one mind and one accord, suddenly there came a sound from heaven, and now we're starting to see, Peter gets up in Acts chapter 2, this is exactly what he was preaching about. This was exactly what he was ministering about. God's not only with us in person and walking among us, now he's going to be with you inside of you. Listen, he says, I'm going to make it very personal. If you'll allow me to come live inside of you, that's my will. That's my desire. Come on, some of us are like, man, I come to church and, and I feel God and, you know, pastors preaching or, or musicians are singing and all those good things are going on. I feel God, but when I go home, it's just empty. It's just not there. I'm, I'm at work and that, that spot that feels so good on Sundays just feels empty. Why? Because he says you're missing the very purpose. You're missing the very thing that I had to fill that up. Come on, we need the Holy Ghost. The Bible lets us know it's the Holy Ghost that keeps God with us. It's the Holy Ghost that leads us, that guides us, that when we're getting ready to do something silly, we get that little spot in our chest or our stomach. And we're like, whoa, you may want to hold up a second. Don't do that. Right? That's dangerous. Stay away from that. There's just something not right about that. On the outside, it looks good. On the outside, it looks pleasing. On the outside, it looks fun. Everybody else is doing it. But listen, you're different now. Right? Because what are, we're the temple now. Because full effect. Tabernacle is where the Holy Ghost or the only of God will fall from heaven. Now all of a sudden, we're the temple. And guess what happens when we get the Holy Ghost? That same spirit that dwelt among Israel, that led and guided Israel, that was in Jesus Christ, now can live inside of you and me. And we, in 2020, we may not see Jesus with our physical eyes, but we fill him with our spirit. He is still God with us. He is still God there through the storms and the trials and difficult times. But think about all these men of God that they thought their life was over. They thought they were going through difficult times and difficult seasons. Paul and Silas in the middle of the, the prison, the innermost part of the prison, the worst part of the prison, understood, God's still with me. God's still there. He's not going to leave me or forsake me. He knows exactly where I am. Right? We joke, God found me. God's there. God, God finally found me. He brought me out. God knows where you're at right now. I want to encourage somebody this morning. God knows where you're at right now. And the cross and the blood that was shed on Calvary is bigger and greater than any sin that you think you have, any issue you think you're struggling with. Because now not only is he going to forgive your sin, but he's going to take care of the addiction. He's going to take care of the root issue of it. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, we teach the cross and salvation, but it's so much more. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, we're healed. Everything we need's in him. Everything we desire in him. Every question we have, every issue we're going to have to deal with and go through, God says, listen, I dealt with everything on the cross. So when the doctor gives you news you don't like, by his stripes, I'm healed. That was part of the process 
of the crucifixion. Come on. He says, listen, there's going to be times when they're going to need healing, and I'm going to take care of that. There's going to be times they're going to need peace, and I'm going to take care of that. There's going to be times they're going to need forgiven. There's going to be times they need delivered, and I'm going to take care of one of it. I'm going to take care of it all. At one moment, at one time, if we'll stand all across this place today. John chapter 15, verses 13 through 15 says this. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. We hear that quoted, and all of you could probably quote it yourself. But throw up there the next verse. Look at it. But ye are my friends. If ye do whatsoever, I command you. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. I've messed up so much. God's, I've heard it before. People say, man, I know I'm going to hell. Hell in a handbasket. And every time they do that inside of me, it's like, oh my God, you, you don't really understand. Someone's not really taught you. You've heard about heaven, you've heard about hell. But man, if, if you're claiming that and you're accepting that, you really don't understand it. Come on, we got to be the people that go out and say, listen, I understand where you think right now. I understand the mind process right now. But there's something greater. There's a friend who died on the cross for you. That if you do what he commands you to do, he's going to bring you in. Go to the next verse, verse number 15. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. He's not in the loop. He has no idea what the, what the, what the, the master is trying to accomplish. He says, you're not my servant, I'm going to bring you a little bit closer. Because I want you to know what I'm up to. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. Everything you need, I've got for you. Everything you desire, I have for you. Everything you need to get to heaven, I have for you. We just got to accept it. We just have to receive it. Why? Because God wants to be with us. That's his desire. Even Listen, even after he went to this earth and he was crucified by his own creation, he still wants to be with you and me. Even after he was sold out by a close friend, he still wanted to be with everybody. Even after he was denied, even after somebody crucified him afresh, he says, I still want to be with you. Why? Because you're my creation and you're my friend. If we'll close our eyes all across this place and just begin to pray today, God loves you, and we've got to get that in our spirit. We've got to understand how much he loves you. There's no greater love have a man than you lay down his life for his friend. He did that for you because he loves you and he calls you friend today. He did everything on his side. Now he just needs you to do everything on yours. Cole, you just begin to have a little talk with Jesus right now. Just from your heart. Cole, you may not know the perfect words, but that's not what he's waiting for. There's no special prayer. All he wants you to do is just talk to him. God, I need you today. God, I can't do it without you today, Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord, for the cross. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for an opportunity, God, to have something better in life. I pray today, Lord God, you'd help us today, God, to realize what you've done for us, Lord Jesus, that we can walk by faith, God, and not by sight, God, that we can walk with you and that everything we go through, God, we know that God is with us. You're there for us, Lord Jesus. Lord, we give you all praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you. I appreciate you. We're getting ready to have a great service today. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise.